A recently fired basketball coach takes another shot at glory, coaching a team of Special Olympics hopefuls. And a man born in East LA is accidentally deported to Mexico, where a whole bunch of madness ensues. We are talking to the legendary Cheech Marin today about champions and born in East LA on Overdue Rentals. Welcome everybody back to Overdue Rentals. I am Matthew Shuckman. And I'm Cinema Blends Mike Reyes. Glad to be here again, my friend. I was here for this interview. Yes, yes. Michael, Mike, unfortunately, due to scheduling snafus, not a rogue of killer baboons, um, had to miss the last few interviews because of, uh, of all that madness. But he was here for us as we are joined here again on the show where we talk about films that we don't think people talk about enough anymore. To talk about Cheech Marin's new film, Champions, which also stars Woody Harrelson and Caitlin Olsen. And his 1987 directorial story debut, Born in East L.A. And Matthew, I'm just going to put it out here right now because it comes out in the interview, too. I was glad that I actually watched this one in preparation because this was the first time that I had seen Born in East L.A. But I knew about Cheech Marin because my dad was a huge fan of Cheech and Chong. He loved the movies. He loved the albums. And of course, when Born in East LA came out, he loved the song. Yes. Well, it's, you know, as we also mentioned him, as we saw, talked to him, like growing up, and this is what we talked about when we kind of came up with the idea for the show. You know, there were a certain handful of movies that uh, would always be on HBO. Uh, and when I'd be home and they'd, they'd be available for me to see. And, you know, granted, one of them was The Last Dragon, which has nothing to do with Cheech Marin, but the other ones were Yellowbeard. Uh, and uh, not necessarily Born East L.A., even though it was part of it, but uh, the Shrimp on the, Shrimp on the Barbie, uh, which oh, he started, was another one that was yeah. always on. Oh, man. Remember when that was the thing, that was the move where it's just, I'm going to sit here and watch HBO for a day and see what comes on. Like, the last time I remember doing that was in college, and I remember it was just a random, I think it was a weekend, and I'm just, it was a weekend I was on campus, I'm just sitting there watching, and it's like, oh, Next up is this movie. Then this, it's like, these two movies I haven't seen and I'm enjoying the role that I'm on right now. Well, that was also the thing too, is, and this is getting off topic, but I'll say this and then we'll, then we'll get Cheech in here, is that uh, it used to be that because there were technically less things, uh, less movies available in general and less movies licensed to show on the channel, when you saw the studio openings, you knew a movie was coming on. So when the TriStar Pictures opening came on, the chance that it was going to be Last Dragon was like 75%. When the 20th Century Fox logo came up, the chance of be a Star Wars movie was also 75 to 80%. So it's like, you know, you, you look forward to just seeing the intros from the, from the production companies or the distribution companies more so than the movie itself. Star Wars on HBO, wow. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Remember when? <laughs> but with anyway. that... Let's get let's get Cheech in here to talk about these movies because how can you uh, just hold off talking about them? No, I just, ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Cheech Marin. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, my pleasure. You know, I gotta I gotta ask because when it comes to Julio as a character, like for instance, Marcus as a character, normally in older films when we see that character, he would be much more ignorant or unknowledgeable as he is. Julio, for some reason, seems to right from the get go know that he can kind of trust him in a way. Was that always the way you saw it or you felt deep down he still needed to learn to trust this guy? Oh, uh, I, I I, didn't so much 
learn to trust him is realize who he was. Uh, and when I realized who he was, that he can be pushed in another direction because you see that it was inherently in him. So I was really looking forward to working with Woody again. I, I did a play with him before, so you have a long uh, 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 history with him. Uh, so it was I, I I was surprised at everybody's performance during this film, especially the the kids who had never acted before. You know, that's that's uh, that's a, a big task for anybody to be in a movie they've never acted before. Uh, not only could they play baseball or basketball, they could uh, they could act too, and and well, you know, and yeah. take direction. It was amazing. It was, it was actually I not funny, I guess, but like I was thinking about. I went after I saw the film and thinking about Benny, uh, well, the character Benny, you know, who was probably if I looked at all of their their history, had the most experience playing in these leagues. But he seemed the most natural from the get-go as far as the yeah. acting. But you're amazing. And you know, you just listen to them and they they get what they have to do. You know, they really get it. So wow. There's a couple of instances of a couple of the characters had having trouble uh, one one spot. They got stuck in one spot, you know. Mm. And so it kind of walked them through that spot that they were doing. And then they, they went out and did it. And that was really gratifying. That was really gratifying. Well, it's just really interesting to see the concept of champions sort of furthering the Fairley brothers work with differently abled actors, because throughout their previous filmography, they've had people of all sorts and it's, they've never been, it's never been a joke punching down. If anything, it's, it's just basically having them as regular characters. Yeah. And they were, you know, a lot of questions coming into this uh, for me, you know, can these kids act? First of all, and can they play basketball? You know, because that's going to be apparent right away. They can fake trying to play basketball, but they actually could play. You know, and they they proved it every day. You know, so it was interesting to to see that that come to fruition and then be captured on uh, film. Do other questions come into your mind at all? Because look, as much as both Bobby and Peter have gone on to do things that were much different than what we got used to them for, when there was more of just a kind of out of the box. Not slapstick, I should say, but um, just very outrageous comedy. Mm -hmm. Seeing the script and, and knowing what's going on, do you still think that maybe at the end of the day you're going to see something like, oh, is Bobby going to end up taking this in a direction I didn't expect? No, I, I, it was pretty pretty clear from the beginning because of the script. And it was a previous movie. This is of a Spanish movie, so I, I, I which I never saw, but I just kind of imagined from what everybody said what it was like. Uh, it had really heartfelt values in it, and that really guided you along. And I remember uh, uh, what the, when I saw the movie, it was like, oh, this is this is heartfelt, and this is really sincere, and it means something. And all these characters are telling their their true life story, and that was the the big surprise for me was the the big love story in the middle of it. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> And it was like you you wouldn't expect that the story to develop, but it did. And and it, and it was really one of the strong points of the movie. Well, that's also something else, too, because as far as Caitlin's character of Alex goes, you know, you knew her previously because of Johnny. Uh, so it's not like she, you're only getting introduced because of Marcus. Yeah. So you have a history, but we don't get to see you guys together a lot until that very end of the movie. Do you yeah. feel that you need to create a relationship? With, with her as an actress or as a character beforehand before you get to that point in the movie? Well, we had been talking through the whole movie, you know, that was, you know, but when we weren't acting together, how, where do you put it? 
where you've been, who you, what's your deal, and when, you know, because you only know them from the work you've seen them do, and, mm. and so we got a lot of a lot of it that way. So we kind of knew each other by this time. We got to talking scenes, even if the talking was just yay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it it worked out, and we and we had found out we had a lot of friends in common, so that was nice. So does that mean you're automatically offered a, ne- a spot on the next season of Always Sunny, or do we have to like put in another word for you here? Well, all the words can help, you know, because <laughs> because I'm a friend with Danny DeVito for uh, many many years, many years, and so uh, he's uh, we had we talked to him from the set when we were there every once in a while. Yeah, so there was I uh, yeah, hey put in a good word anywhere you can, man. <laughs> Exactly, because now you got Caitlin, and that's the next path to Rob. And then Rob is probably the linchpin right there. Like once you yeah. get Rob on board, you're set. I will. Hey, I'm set then. <laughs> I actually, that's what I love about that show. Not to get off too far off the rails is the fact that nobody has gone and say, "I'm sure we can get Danny to bring all these people in." They just do what they want to do. Of course, I want to get great people in. I would love to see you in there, but they yeah. never really went pandering, and I, and I like that. Oh, well, that's good. I don't mind pandering even <laughs> on the beneficiary of it. <laughs> you mentioned also, though, that you hadn't seen the original. Now, obviously, when you sign on, is there something in your mind that says, now I definitely don't because I don't want it to affect my performance? Or is just that we have to wait for this to die down? Maybe I'll, I'll check it out later because that's the yeah. kind of the way I want to work it out. Yeah, no, I I didn't have any any interest in seeing the original Spanish because I thought for that very reason, you know, I don't want to be influenced to play it this way or that way. I just want to play it how I interpret it, you know, off off the page and then in the direction of uh, Bobby. Uh, so I I didn't uh, uh, I didn't want to see it for that, but I I would like to see it now, mm. you know. Just to see how they compare, or what they did different, or what they did the same, or, or like, you know, I, I think it would be hard getting another cast of kids that, like ours, you know, what does their cast look like? You know, well, it'd be interesting to see, because he was, I was, you know, I'm shocked at their ability, you know, to play for a first time being acting in the movies. It was amazing. But here at Overdue Rentals, we also do love talking about films that we feel don't get talked about enough anymore. Mm-hmm. And Born in East LA is not only something that was like very integral to me growing up. Uh-huh. I just, because nobody's streaming it as of right now, I think more people need to go back and see it. I'm kind of wondering because the song already existed with the video. Was that some, was the video something part of like a proof of concept to say this is what I want to do, or was it the other way around where after it was out somebody said we want to do something, or you said I want to do something, and they said well why don't we do this idea? I got a deal to do the 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 video first because it was part of an album. I did four videos for this album, and uh, when uh, when I completed it, Irving Azoff, who had, had done the deal with me at Universal walked it over to Frank Price, who was the head of Universal at that time. And he says, take a look at this. There's a movie in here. And I had worked with uh, Frank before and he and he brought it over, took a look at it and says, yes, there is a movie here. And so like, would you like to do it? Yeah, I would like to do it. So it was <laughs> it was nice to be, you know, given the green light by somebody who already knew what you could do because he had worked with you before. And then, and then Born in Easttown, I'm very proud of that movie. And it, and it has endured uh, really, really well up to now. Hopefully, no longer. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I mean, I would definitely say so because I I grew up in a house where my father was a huge fan of your work, like both with Tommy Chong and outside of that. So I heard born in born in East LA when I was a kid and just always kind of dug it. And but I'd never seen the movie until now. Oh, really? this is just really heartwarming and surprising. And what what was that surprise? What sort of caught people off guard when this was first released? Yeah, I think so. They were kind of at, at first they were kind of hung up and well, that's just a pair of song parody. Mm. You know? And 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 it wasn't. You had to get over that. But once they started getting into the into the story and finding out what it was about, more than you they picked up steam while they were watching it. And then and the and the act and the climactic scenes really had a lot of power where those guys come charging over that mountain. It's the, the, I've seen it with a lot of different audiences and they stand up and cheer at that point. <laughs> what I find also fantastic about the film as well is because, I mean, I didn't know it when I first saw it because I was very young, mm -hmm. but as I grew and learned more about you, I, I realized that in, in many ways that, uh, you know, Rudy is in essence, I mean, granted, you probably never got accidentally mistaken and sent back over the border, but Rudy is you. This is very much about like presenting who you are to people who only knew you as one thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're a little bit funny. <laughs> you always got to, get, you know, retain that. And uh, uh, yeah, it's just, just a widening of 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 uh, you know, it's you can turn a character just a couple degrees and it becomes a different person. You know, so that's what I was doing in that one. I also really like the fact that as someone of half Puerto Rican descent. I have run into this many times where someone will see my name, you know, Reyes, and it's like, oh, do you speak Spanish? And it's like, no, I don't. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so it was nice to see that and tackled with such heart and such fun, where it's like Rudy's just kind of bumbling through and he's like, sorry, I don't speak Spanish. I'm born in East LA, man. It's exactly how much Chicano was not, <laughs> not required. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I gotta say also like because the first tech in my mind going back on it I think the first technical joke is the idea that your mother's covering up the phone with the new picture of Jesus that's gonna the uh, the the uh, I don't know called triptych I can't remember anymore but when it comes when the payoff comes back when Paul's sitting in the living room and you call at first I'm like why would he think oh that's right the phone's behind the painting it was just so perfectly planned oh, that it, it just you. worked so well. That's my favorite thing to do in movie making is throw three balls up in there, four balls up in there, and then catch them at the end. You know, that's like that's my favorite thing to do, and I try to always do that. You know, because it's it, it you want you want the joke to gather steam. You know, across the, the length of the movie, and so that's always fun to do. Oh yeah, that's just that old screwball comedy energy where it's you know you take Chekhov's gun but replace it with a banana, and that's basically yeah, <laughs> yeah it is exactly that. So uh, it's always nice to to show people that that can, that has value, you know. That is, hey, watch a movie this way, and then all these these balls are going to be caught at once, like you know, <laughs> that's the thing, you know. Well, that's that uh, sort of feeds into something else that I was reading into while researching this movie, because I remember, I think one review was like, oh, this movie needs more manic energy. And I couldn't help but think that's someone thinking, okay, the zany Cheech and Chong sketches versus what yeah. you're really trying to do with Born in East LA. Like the orange cart scene alone 
is so beautiful yeah. and rewarding because yeah. then, you know, that comes back in to help Rudy as he's trying to escape the guys from prison. Yeah, it's like, you know, throwing those balls up in the air and, and then catching them, you know, with one hand, not even looking. Dink. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, you know, I love, I love making movies like that. But for also to be, I mean, I know you had plenty of people that you knew and, and, and love, but for your directorial uh, debut, writing debut, the cast that you, I mean, even though you only get so many scenes with Paul Rodriguez and, you know, there's a lot of Daniel Stern who at that time, that was, he was starting to come up as being somebody important to us. You have the Jan Michael Vincent and another person who kind of informed my entire childhood was Tony Plana. Yeah. And so seeing all these people together in one film, must have, it must have been great to have all of them as your support. Oh, it was great, you know, because you knew who you, what they could do and you knew how much to trust them to, okay, go. And that was the funnest part, you know, because you were surprised by what they brought back. It's like, you know, throwing a ball to your dog and he brings back a trombone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Tony Plana, man. I was so glad to see him in here because I, I first remember seeing him in Disorderlies. When I was a kid, that, yes, <laughs> I saw him in Disorderly, and then just talk about someone who is so versatile. Because seeing him as Feo in here, he goes through so many different turns with the yeah. way he sort of played through. Yeah, I, I just kept kept encouraging him to do that. You know, think, oh, what if I do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, go go with that. That'd be that'd be great. You know, so it was. Funny. I mean, when you sign on to, to play a character named Ugly, I think you know what you're in for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I mean, I don't mean to take away from the movie too, but like, and again, in prepping to talk to you, I rewatched the video because I hadn't seen it in so long. And as for as much as the ending of the film is powerful, the ending of the video, I think is even more so in a lot of ways. Because again, I think at the time, especially think people think it's just a spoof or something like that. And of course, yes, it is taking a tune from somewhere. But the ending of the video is one of the most beautiful things I've seen in a long time, I think, when I think about it. Ooh, thank you very much. That's a, just a statement. <laughs> Oh, well, that's a good statement, though. You may live by that. <laughs> it was more of a comment than a question, sir. <laughs> do, do I have any comments? Oh, no. Well, I mean, if you do have comments, you're you're free to share no. them. With you. the <laughs> it's nice to be here. That's my comment. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice to have you. I mean, seriously, you, I, you know what? I sort of going a little off topic. I rewatched Oliver and Company again the other day. Me so too. Was, Really? No, I really did. I really did watch it because I had some specific thing to watch it for, but it was good. <laughs> oh, oh man, that that was another great experience I had growing up with. Okay, so there was that, and then I love your cameo in Ghostbusters too. Yeah, That's just one single shot when the Titanic's coming back. Yeah, yeah. I also grew up obsessed with Yellow Beard. Oh, yellow beard. Wow. Yeah. So it depends on where you joined the train, you know, yeah. <laughs> as, yeah. as what you like and what we did. Uh, yellow beard was great. But uh, uh, Ivan Reitman was a buddy of mine. And he asked me to do that one in, in Ghostbusters. And so I'm happy to do that. Oh, it's just, it really is one of those accents that sells a movie because that's probably one of the moments that I always even listening to the soundtrack and I hear Flip City and then it gets to the one lull and it's like, the Titanic just came in. Well, better late than never. <laughs> like that. Uh. But Sometimes. speaking of getting on the train, yeah. uh, you are also known to a generation of children as part of the Spy Kids franchise with Robert uh -huh. Rodriguez. 
How about that? <laughs> I know. And it's it's being rebooted. So I'm wondering, have you gotten any calls or ideas as to whether you'll be part of that or not? Uh, not yet, but there's always hope. You know, I'm going to see Robert next month at the South by Southwest. And we'll have uh, a conversation about that. But he's been, uh, he's going to be involved in the Cheech uh, Museum and, and, you know, bringing a film element to that. Now. So we're looking forward to that. We're gonna we're gonna have to let you go soon. So to kind of wrap up, I want to go back to to Born in East LA and because for as important as it was when it came out, to talk about the idea of people understanding who who, who would never understand a lot of you know Mexican immigration, just to be specific, because it, it could be any immigration and 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 other people who are just not you know technically quote unquote born in the USA, if you want to consider it that way. It's it obviously it's it's important now that I think that gets a revival because of what's been going on, you know, in the world today. And I'm I'm wondering if there's a chance that there's, you know, if anybody's been talking about doing that specifically. That would be great if they did. And it's it was it was timely in its time and it's timely now. That's really a hallmark of a a good work of art, you know, that it, it remains timely. It unfortunately remains timely. <laughs> it does, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, very unfortunately. It's another it's just another one of those stories where you really could tell it at, at any time and any border because there's so always far. going there's always that divide and uh yeah, it is unfortunately, but you know, maybe we'll uh, we'll evolve. Anything can happen at this point. <laughs> I think I think that's where the idea of trying to get this nut more eyes again for people who never did see it, maybe you know, can help them maybe, that's the thing, trying to open up to people who are very close, narrow-minded, you need to show them something to help illustrate it. And I think this could help illustrate it for them if they've never seen it before. History is always good to learn from. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Stay safe. I'm gonna Absolutely. Bye. Chi, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Uh, that's like, that's another one of those, you know, I always say it, but that's like one of those honors to have somebody like that on. Absolutely. And especially for a film like Born in East LA, because I really, just the, the thing that blew me away about this was, as I had mentioned in the interview, the whole thing about Cheech and Chong having that like subversive stoner, but also wacky sort of Monty Python sensibility to theirs, of theirs with like their albums and their movies. That's not what's shown in Born in East LA. And I'm glad about that because Cheech Marin, you know, got to direct the film and and write, write the film as well. And he's tackling the issue of race from a very interesting perspective because the character of Rudy isn't a bad, per he's not a bad person who has to learn a lesson. He's no. a decent guy that, you know, he likes women. He likes, you know, he, he loves life. He's just a normal, everyday guy who does get to learn learn along the way and fall in love along the way. But it's nothing contrived and it's nothing like, he's not a person that needs to be taught something or he just doesn't know how to love. It's everything comes so naturally. And through these wonderful vignettes that build up, like, uh, like you had mentioned, like Daniel Stern being in here. I love this role for Daniel Stern. But yeah, but it's, look, that's, that's the, look, it's very much the case of where, and I think I mentioned this in another episode of ours, where like people thought, you know, and uh, you know, and for Tommy uh, Chong, it was very much the case where he, you know, he was a big druggie in, in essence. You know, I'm not saying he's exactly his character; it's on the screen, but that was kind of part of his life. Where 
it's actually it was never really Cheech's thing in general. He's just playing a character. And so oh, yeah. A, to show people the real uh, Cheech, along with the fact that it's a movie in where it's showing kind of both sides of that misunderstanding because it's like just because you see somebody here in the U.S. who has a certain background, certain name doesn't mean, like we discussed, they speak Spanish or doesn't mean they have certain uh, priorities in mind that, that match into some, uh, you know, fantasized uh, racist view that you may have. Plus the fact that him going in the opposite direction where he doesn't really know that much. And, and again, like he doesn't, and, and as in real life, he does not really speak much Spanish. Um, you know, seeing kind of the, the other world that is you know, kind of alien to him, but at the same part, part time realizing how much it's not. No, absolutely. And there's just, there's nobody, it doesn't punch down on anyone, even no. the immigration officers, like, Obviously, they're played more like Keystone cops than like hardened, serious badasses. And just watching him make his way through all these little s- sort of snippets of life here and there, uh, you know, his his con- his continual run-ins with Fayo and his men, like that's something where they could have really played Fayo as the heavy, and that would have been like the whole thread. But instead, yeah. it's just these really a whole bunch of these really funny moments, like when he's recovered from the fridge, or even just first meeting fail, and knowing that he's running the confidence scam with the two guys in the cell, like using the 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 Bible is like, "Devil, get behind me!" And Tony Plana, like I I love seeing Tony Plana. Yeah. As I, yeah. again, we 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 did do this, but I just I want to mention that man again because he is one of the character actors that. I I would love seeing him in in anything. Like I still remember him being uptight and disorderlies with the Fat Boys. What's the thing? Well, he wasn't even really more the uptight one. It was you know his technical boyfriend slash boss. Uh, ah, <laughs> but but that's the thing because that was just like another movie that came all the time all the time on HBO was disorderlies. My brother and I would watch that constantly, and watching him in that is just so fun. But then you follow it up with uh, him as Jefe in uh, Three Amigos. Where it's again taking, you know, granted they're dressed in a very, um, you know, oh, this is whatever, this is what the, you know, they look like uh, at the time in Mexico, and they talk like it's like, but they're they're completely, they're very much these, you know, existentially worried, you know, villains in a lot of ways, and just like watching them play this comedy is just so brilliant. I would love to get him on the show. I, I, we, yeah, I would love to get him on the show. But then again, who don't we want to get on this show? That's that's probably an easier list to make. Well, again, it's what you can talk about, and so if he wants to come and talk about disorderlies, it's the way to go. Yeah. Oh, there's there's plenty he could talk about. But oh, absolutely, he's in so much. But a lot of look, I can every time I see him, no matter what it's in, I'm like, oh, it's Tony Plana. But it's like you know, think about a movie like JFK where he's in the movie for like five minutes because he just is a, a talking uh, talking mouth on a news show. You know, it's well, I shouldn't say that. It's arguing against Lee Harvey Oswald, but um, it's like he's not in the movie very long. So it's like, do you do a whole episode on JFK with Tony Plano? No, you don't. No. I mean, that's part of the beauty of this overdue rentals gig. We get to think of the movies that really are undervalued and that people can talk about because of their participation. But no, but but Born in East LA is a movie that is, it, when you think about it, it's very disjointed. You know, there are certain things that don't connect because it's not trying to be that movie. It's just trying to illustrate certain things while doing it in both a fun way and also an introspective way. Well, yeah, and I mean that's that's exactly why it's such a such a wonderful movie to watch. Is 
I, I'm, I'm, although I am curious of whether this was the extended version we watched or not, because there is an extended. There's I apparently know. I was doing the lookup. I, I was reading up on this, and I think Shout Factory has a Blu-ray. Yes, I think it's an extended TV version where the ending is longer. Hmm. I do and love. So, I do. I have to say, my favorite thing about the ending, though, is like, and I, I know we talked about how meaningful and and uh, powerful it could be, but when they come out of the sewer and they have the two, I think it was it was actually like uh, Jason Scott Lee's like first uh, movie or something like that, and they're two technically not Chicanos and they're talking to each other like, all right, we're here as well, all right, and I just the whole thing was just too funny. Again, it's it's a it's a movie that does have a message. It doesn't hammer things across people's heads. And I think that's part of what kind of surprised everyone in the contemporary release. It was like, oh, Cheech Marin, that guy's hysterical. I know what I'm expecting from this. And then, like, you maybe get past that in that, that first scene where he's chasing the redhead with the car. And then yeah. after that, the rest of the movie's like, oh, I didn't expect this. And then either you're with it or you're not. And I was totally with it like again this is funny but warm and neither side is too heavy-handed yeah i mean like again just very much like uh woody house's character of marcus in in champions you know you come across these characters like daniel stern's character which yes technically he is a little bit of a sleazeball but normally in this movie you'd expect there would be a twist at the, somewhere in the movie where he is screwing rudy over and he's not. He actually kind of sees him as a friend or he could have like forced him to stay because he knows he can make some money, but he doesn't. It's it's kind of going against what you'd expect that character to be. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I was waiting for every single time. It's like, oh, he's going to screw him. He's going to be like, no, no, you, blah, 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 blah. But he's like, well, yeah, I'm a businessman. I don't want to see you go, but <laughs> I understand, you know, consider the 150 is like a going away present. Yeah, right. <laughs> And 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 the fact that I mean I don't think that he thought about it I don't I don't think uh, Daniel Stern's character Jimmy even thought about it but I guarantee you that if things went that way where he got on the truck and went back he probably would have sent them the money probably still did it later on who who knows but in, I, I think about it in that sense like if he if he stayed on the truck and just went then well yeah but the, see that's that's just the universe of this film yeah there's some people that don't have the best intentions but even they get comedic comeuppance and it's not terribly brash or gritty like this movie has while the story may be here there and everywhere there's still a gent a, a synonymous or uh, a singular tone to it yeah it's not trying to dive too deep into either way it really does just deliver its message in as fun but as thoughtful a way as possible and it, i'm just i i i'm sure there's movies that still do that now there's just not as many like that was no. something that people really tried for in the nineties because something I'm kind of thinking about, maybe not as comedic, but Lawrence Kasdan's Grand Canyon. Grand wow, because Grand Canyon is definitely an overdue rental for me. That was when that movie came out. I remember we got it on we rented it uh, on video and watched that. I was like, oh shit. That's I mean, granted, for certain people who grew up with something like the big chill, it's like that's like almost like, oh, we gotta we gotta witness now the next part of it yeah. in, in ways. But that movie, yeah, that's that's one I want to have on there. And it's also if you think about it, even though they're not the same movie, it's technically more of the proto crash, uh, as far as the yes. uh, the the Academy Award one that everybody hates in essence, not the uh, um, J.G. Cronenberg uh, movie. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's it's a very similar it's a very similar attempt to do the same thing, even though it came before. Yeah, yeah. 
No, I I would definitely want to. I've never actually seen it. I know of it, but I never. Oh, actually okay. So I am glad to to dive into that. Now that would definitely be one to to take care of. But uh, and again, you know, it almost feels like I'm hammering the point home. But like that's the thing about Born in East LA is that you're like you're saying like yes, there's comedy and there are a few scenes where it's like him doing the typical more facial uh, than characteristic comedy. Um, that you've been been used to him, Cheech and Chong, but um, he's just a normal guy, and you're just watching a normal guy for for a good part of it. And then let's do a little comedy bit where I take the uh, the house band and try to convince them to play Beatles songs and turn them into some rock outfit. Uh, and it's just like, like, yeah, all right, I'm along for a ride. Let's do it. And then even with something like the 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 gay prisoners. That's something that I was watching. It's like, okay, I'm very cautious to see where this goes because this is the 1980s and they weren't exactly very yeah. well. They did not exactly represent that sort of thing very well on screen. And then it's, it's not really that big of a character thing. It's like Cheech is uncomfortable with it, but that's about it. It's not well, it's, it's, being assaulted. it's not about, yeah, it could be anybody. But yeah, what I... Uh, to hopefully this doesn't come off sounding the wrong way, but to also talk about that on a slightly different angle too, is that granted, I'm sure they have protection and all this other stuff, but the way people thought about things in the eighties as well, for somebody to see somebody uh, having somebody like Cheech on film, having another person grab his crotch, people will be like, Oh no, you can't put that on screen or like, you know, Oh, it just yeah. says something about it. So like for him being willing to do that as well is also pretty important. I, you know, I wish we would have had more time because I would have loved to talk to him about just, diving into being a director after yeah, obviously having writing and having acting chops like diving in as a director for the first time because this is a this was a very confident like first time like i don't think he's directed ever since but this was such no, a- not feature length that's the thing it's his only feature length uh, uh directorial uh, work yeah like i wonder if he'd ever want to do another feature length film because he ha- he had a knack for it clearly i mean obviously this is a lower scale story where it's not He's not setting off explosions or car chases, but you know, clearly, even just on a on the level of a comedy, this is this is a very confident debut for someone. And I it's just another credit to this film. Well, I think that's also why it was important that he did be the one to be the one who directed it, because like we're saying, it's like he's trying to and just like I said to him, it's like he's really portraying himself in a lot of ways as far as just the down to earth character. And so you know, if somebody else does it, he still can perform it because he's the one, it's it's his story, he wrote it, he goes to perform with a different director, but I think there are certain parts of this that were important that it be him. You could just imagine if this went into any other ha- director's hands, it would not have come off as even-toned or they might have wanted to get more changes in terms of story beats. And yeah. instead, it just exists as this beautiful capsule of humor and and empathy. Yeah. Very much, and again, I you know, I, I didn't, didn't want to try and take blockbuster fair back then. No, but I, and I didn't want to take away from the from the movie itself. But again, the ending of the video, I remember while we're rewatching it, because the movie is very much about the you know it shows them all like having crossed the border. Where the video was more of just like you know like no, we're these people who are here. We've always been here, and we're proud. Uh, so it just it's just something about it just felt it was like I was not expecting it. Almost it's just like oh sh-, you know like here he is doing. This, you know, parody of Born in the USA and, you know, we know who he is. And at the time when it was recorded, it was very much still was supposed to be comedy. And it's like, well, he's doing something more with it than just comedy. 
Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's obviously a song parody, but it digs yeah. deeper and just afforded us the opportunity to talk with Cheech Marin. I hope he comes back to us and talks again. I even if it's Oliver and Company or if it's something else, I like Oliver and Company. I don't know what Oliver and Company is. <laughs> it is okay. So I mentioned it to him in the interview, but it's a Disney movie where it's a retelling of Oliver Twist with an orange tabby cat on the streets with dogs and two of okay. the dogs. Okay, okay. So let me let me just mention some some voices here. I forget if it was. I think it was Matthew Lawrence or Joey Lawrence. It was one of the Lawrence brothers. Plays the tabby cat. Whoa. Sorry. Billy Joel plays Dodger, their version of the Artful Dodger. Yeah, yeah. Tom Louise is Fagan, the one that like has all the dogs, but he's like a sweet, lovable guy. Uh, Richard Mulligan plays like this theatrical dog who's like, I think it was Richard Mulligan. Uh, but there's a Chihuahua named Tito played by Cheech Marin, who a little more stereotypical, but he's still yeah. like sinks his teeth into it. And part of his plot is he's in love with a high-end poodle played by Ben Midler. Oh, it's animated too. It's animated. It is an animated Disney movie. It was Joey Lawrence, yeah. Joey Lawrence. Richard Mulligan, you are correct. I'm looking at all the... Cheryl Lee Ralph was one of the voices. Yup, she was Rita. Robert Loggia, my favorite. Oh yeah, he plays the heavy. He plays like this gangster. Oh, he's so good in it. Ben Midler. Yeah, Ben Midler and Fred Killer Welker, Frank soundtrack too. Killer soundtrack, because you obviously had Billy Joel on there. You have a Reuben Blade single on there. You have Bed Midler doing like a Mae West number as a poodle. I'm all for, I'm all for Reuben Blades and Bed Midler. Billy Joel, I just I, he, he, I don't care. Billy Joel's okay. I I like some of his some of his older stuff before he started doing like the white guy blues thing. Well, you know, it's funny because talking about talking about the musicians now too, and and I'm not trying to take anything away from Borneo's delay itself, but like to me also growing up. Because when the Bomba came out, that made Los Lobos a little bit more of a household name, and um, you know, so my father at the time, you know, when when I showed interest in it, was like, "Oh, well, here, let me show you the actual records." And so I started getting to. Well, I was a big Los Lobos fanatic, and what I think is funny is, is that their very first album was technically at the time was called uh, Los Lobos of East LA, and then it got retranslated to just another band from East LA. And I somehow, even though I know there's they're separate. I used to equate the Born in East LA with just another band from East LA a little bit. And it would just always go through my head. This is, random. This is me ranting now. Well, your ranting kind of ties into some things that I wanted to, uh, something I wanted to mention because when Born in East LA came out, it was second only to Stakeout and its opening weekend. But La Bamba was still in the top 10 from being released earlier in that year. Really? It was a scene, I thought it was a year after too. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because I was looking at the charts and it was, uh, it, it, yeah, La Bamba was released earlier that year, and Born in East LA happened to be become a big, a sort of big thing when that was still running. And they also have the joke in in the in the in the movie about Beatles sounding like they were trying to rip off La Bamba. <laughs> yeah, La Bamba was July twenty fourth, and I think Born in East LA was like August. Because La Bamba was, uh, it was like La Bamba's fifth week on the bo- the box office charts where this was number two. Hmm. I really thought they were they were separated by like a year and a half, two years almost. La Bamba's just... probably another one we should do. Yeah, oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I, I, I love that movie when it came out. I still love that movie, whether or not it's... Because it's... that is, 
you know, granted, I don't think a lot of people knew much about Richie Valens' life. And I won't talk about it too much since we're, you know, possibly going to do a whole episode on it. And yes, they knew he died in the plane crash and all this other fun stuff, fun stuff, all this other stuff. But in terms of biopics, it almost feels like it is not only an actual story, whether it's true or not for every single piece of it, but they, it just let them do all the darker stuff that they don't do nowadays in biopics. Like they try and they try and gloss it over somehow, and that movie did not do that in any way whatsoever. Plus the fact that Analyst Lobos fanatic, and so David Hidalgo is the one singing in all the actual songs, and I love that man's voice. Uh, so yes, that's a wonderful overdue rental is added to our list. But as we have added something on the list, we would invite you, dear listeners, to cross off Champions. Uh, when does that come out again, Matthew? Oh, uh, March tenth. Ah, so cross off Champions from your overdue rentals list when it comes into theaters March tenth. But go out of your way to rent Born in East L.A. or buy the Shout Factory Blu-ray if it's still in print and cross that off your overdue rentals list. Yes, please do. And then come back to us. Let us know what you thought about both movies. Give us your insights. But uh, to do that, they have to find us, right, Mike? Yes, and it is pretty easy to find us because uh, I really don't have a joke for that to lead into this movie just because I, I, you know... I really liked the movie and it's so warm and I can't think of anything, you know, Oh, wait, wait, maybe perhaps we're easier to find than a sack full of oranges. To All help right, save off Robert. I, really I really tried, but you know, you can find us and all of the punchlines that do land successfully on TikTok and Instagram at Overdue Rentals Show, on Twitter at Rentals Overdue and on Facebook at Overdue Rentals. And if you want to email us love letters, uh, comments about Paul Rodriguez being a delight in his side plot in this movie or anything else. We didn't really touch on that. I forgot no, to. We Wait, so the thing too is because for as big as a name he was then as well. Oh yeah. He's, you know, he's really just a, a ploy for a few jokes and then we don't see him again. But he's so brilliant in it. And if you want to share those same sort of sentiments with us, because we can't get enough of talking about these things and it's too big for a social media comment, you can email it to us at overdurentals at gmail.com. But while we've got you on the internet, because that's what it's for, uh, you can find us and find our back catalog of 70-ish episodes wherever you ethically source your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, wherever podcasts lay, so do we. But tastefully and so you can talk you... about so you can talk about cheech marins after hours yes yes because oh because one last point before we go sit this is cheech this is cheech marins like kinder gentler after hours which is funny considering he and tommy chong were in after hours, after hours yeah. which is another movie that we are damn well covering on this podcast because if criterion doesn't put it on disc what is this what is our society for anyway we gotta get griffin done to come talk about that Oh, I would love to get Griffin Dunn. I don't think I don't think we're gonna get Scorsese. So Griffin Dunn is the well, we get Griffin Dunn, and then we get him to like bring Scorsese in for like Age of Innocence. (laughs) But anyway, you want if you if you want to suggest these sorts of things on the internet where it's published, and you also want to rate, review, and subscribe to us as you do, do that on any of those platforms that we mentioned because we want to keep the overdue rentals counter open because Blockbuster may be dead, but we're just getting started. And to that effect, we are not going to take any more of your time. You should be watching these wonderful movies. It is 
just, you know, it's free time. It's, it might be a Friday when you're listening. Is this Friday when we're recording it? It might be a Friday when you're listening to this. Go live like it's a Friday night right now. And friends, family, and listeners, we're going to send you out into the night with our ever-present call of... Bye-bye. Bye-bye.